This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. Matt Larkin here with the usual buddies, Ken Campbell, Ryan Kennedy, and it's finally here, the NHL regular season. I'm so excited, and I don't know whether I say this every year, but I feel like, no, 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 this time, this season, there's a special level of hype. you got the Eric Carlson trade. You've got John Tavares in Toronto. I don't know. Is it just me? Am I crazy? Or is this season, is it the time to really get excited? It's going to be epic. I thought you were going to say lit. <laughs> yeah, that too. Because that's what the kids say. All sorts of adjectives. <laughs> okay. So no, it's, it's, no yeah, it, should yeah. be, it should be a fun season this Rasmus year. Rasmus Dahlin. Oh, that's I know. Great. I remember two years ago, the season was like, meh. You know, yeah, just, that's right. It was just yeah. meh. But this year, this year, I get a real feeling that there's, it's going to be well above meh. It's, an, it's, a replace, it's above replacement level season. Okay, right. Fair enough. Well, less meh is what Tom Wilson has done in the preseason. We get to our hot topics now. And Tom Wilson, he's done it again. I think only 12 games, if you count the playoffs, had passed between his last suspension for an illegal check to the head. And he takes out the Blues, Oscar Sunkfist. And we know it's a repeat offense for Wilson. More importantly, he's repeating the exact same behavior. As of, as of the recording time of this, this show, we don't know the exact uh, length of suspension, but it's going to be long. It's going to be minimum six games, in-person hearing. So what do we do with Tom Wilson, guys? I mean, is he ever going to learn? Is he reaching the Rafi Torres juncture where you're going to have to suspend him for half a season? What do you do? He, he absolutely is reaching that juncture, without question. I mean, he's not a repeat offender. He's a repeat, repeat offender because he, this, is, this is strike three against him in the last year. And to me, you know, when a guy gets a suspension like this, and I, and I talked to Tom Wilson about this in the summer, and, you know, you, the first thing you hear is, well, I'm not going to change my approach to the game. Well, I got news for you, Tom Wilson. You have to change your approach to the game. You have to change the way you play the game. Because if you don't, you're not going to be playing it very much. And the, I think this suspension, and, and we're speculating here, and, and of course we're going to know what it is by the time everybody watches this, but I, I'm thinking at least 10 now, and then the next one would be, you, you're, you're getting the Rafi Torres treatment, if not worse. Yeah, and you can still be aggressive, and you can still be an intimidator out there. It's these big, sweeping, open ice, blindside hits to the head exactly. that, that obviously have to go. You can still muck it up in the corners. You can still face wash guys in front of the net. You can still drop the gloves and fight. And, I mean, you can still be that net front guy that gets points because you're playing with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. So yeah. you can still be a pretty unique power forward in an NHL time where there aren't a lot of guys like Tom Wilson around. And that's, a, that's a great yeah. asset for Washington, but he's got to be on the ice in order to be that intimidator. And if he's gone for... 20 games, you know, if he does this again, if he's gone for 40 games, he's no use to them. Right, and I was talking to a scout recently, and he, and he was explaining to me that the player type like Tom Wilson is being naturally selected out of the game because now you have kids that are growing up that when the new NHL arrived post-lockout, they were seven years old, and they're, they're being born into the era of concussion research. They're not playing that way. Yeah. And I think the, the playing style of Wilson is going to get nudged out of the game as the years pass and more and more new players come in that don't think the game the way Wilson does. And the big problem with him, and I've talked to player safety about this time and again, is they really focus on 
are you changing a very specific behavior? If it was charging and then a hit to the head, if it was boarding, then tripping. It's not the same as doing the identical thing. Yep. That's exactly happen what happened to Rafi Torres because repeating the identical behavior is almost like spitting in the face of the NHL and saying, I'm gonna do it again. Absolutely. And it doesn't go well. So yeah. I think we're looking at, I agree, Ken, very long ban for Tom Wilson. And the next one is gonna be maybe historic level. Yeah, for sure. Uh, every year, EA Sports, the NHL series, they do a simulation. And I guess it's time to plan the parade because the NHL 19 simulation picked the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. So is this a realistic simulation? Can we see this happening? And what needs to happen for the Leafs this year for them to hoist that cup? Gee, I wonder if NHL 19 wants to sell more copies. Boy, is it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe I it. Mean, it's a real really, simulation. It's, it's just a coincidence that the simulation has the Leafs as a Stanley Cup winner. Is the simulation ever right? Yeah, that's the um, thing. We should go question. back. It'd be, yeah. good, it'd be good to go back and see, you know, what their track record yeah. is. Um, Computers. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure it could happen. Absolutely. Are the Leafs in a group of, of probably five or six teams that have a very real and legitimate shot at winning the Stanley Cup? They absolutely are. And so what has to happen? Well, everything has to go right. A bunch of guys have to have career years. You have to be, you know, injuries have to be minimal. And your goaltending has to come up bigger in the playoffs than it has in the last couple of years. I mean, the big question, as we all know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is can that defense core hold up and carry a team through 82 games of the season and through a long playoff run? And that's, that's, that's the question that still needs to be answered. You know, and I mean, the season means something here because you don't want to finish third. You don't want to finish third in the Atlantic Division. Mm -hmm. You want to win that division because you want to take you want to take the number eight seed down at the bottom and get the easier path through the playoffs. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions to be answered, but the one is, can it happen? Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, you think about that defense core, and I, I've said that I've said this before. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be superstars. They can really be the Pittsburgh defense from a couple of years ago when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, when Chris Letang was hurt the entire time. You know, they got great performances from Justin Schultz and Brian DeMullen and, and, and basically the whole collective. And that's why they were successful because they got the puck out of their own end very quickly. I know it was, it, you know, it drove the Sharks out of their mind uh, because they wanted to forecheck and they could just never get pressure because Penguins get the puck, wing it out to those great forwards. You look at Toronto, and obviously that's what they want to do as well. Get the puck to John Tavares. Get the puck to Austin Matthews. Let them do, do what they do. And, you know, the Leafs, it's a young defense core. Um, it's actually younger this year. You know, Roman Polak's gone, and they're bringing kids up. Um, they've got options, but I, I also think, and this kind of goes against the simulation because obviously they're going off all the stats that they already have, but it's probably not going to be this defense core after the trade deadline. If Toronto's in a position where they say, if we can get an Alex Edler or a Chris Tanev from Vancouver, you know, if we can get that one more guy, then all of a sudden the pressure gets spread out a little more. And Morgan Riley doesn't have to do as much. Jake Gardner doesn't have to do as much in the defensive zone if you've got a guy who is more inclined to that sort of thing. And as Ken pointed out, if Freddie Anderson is hot in net at the right time, then you've got all the elements. Right, and that's a great segue actually to our next hot topic, which is a question for you guys. Uh, and it's, who do you think is gonna be the big name that's bandied about in trade rumors all year? And who's the first one that's gonna go? Last year it was all about Max Pacioretty, it never happened, especially over the summer, but finally it did happen. 
Uh, and I think my guy is actually someone I think the Leafs could be targeting because he's a right shot defenseman on a very crowded blue line, has a very reasonable contract. Justin Falk. Because Carolina, that defense, they, they signed Calvin DeHaan, they trade for Dougie Hamilton, you've got Jacob Slavin, you've got Brett, Brett Pesci, even Trevor Van Riemsdyk, not bad depth, Hayden Fleury, a decent prospect. I don't know where Falk fits in on that team anymore. It's going to be hard to find minutes, and he's a valuable commodity. He's the equivalent of a left-handed starting pitcher in baseball, the right shot, puck mover, uh, and I think he's a guy that would make a lot of sense for the Leafs to target and many other teams. I would be actually pretty surprised if Falk is a hurricane by season's end. But what about you guys? Who do you have? Well, I've got uh, I've got Phil Kessel, actually, in Pittsburgh. And I think, you know, I mean, he's a guy that appears to have worn out his welcome in Pittsburgh, as we kind of all thought might happen after a few years. And, and I think, you know, I mean, Jim Rutherford is a swing for the fences kind of guy. And I think what Jim Rutherford sees in his team is he sees a team that has two otherworldly players on it, two all-world players, who will give him a chance to win the Stanley Cup every year or at least for the next couple of years. Uh, but he needs some depth, and he needs some depth on uh, almost every position other than center. Um, so, uh, you know, is that, does that mean that Kessel go? I, I would think it would be, you know, Kessel would go for, um, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe it's a Kessel for Falk trade. Who knows? Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're old, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Rutherford's old team. They need defense. And, and I, I think that, you know, I think that, that, with like Rutherford being the kind of GM that he is, being the kind of guy that's not afraid to make these big blockbuster moves, uh, you know, I, I, I think he would he would deal deal Phil Kessel with three years left on his contract. Yeah. And you know what? I mean it's it's important because eventually Pittsburgh's window in this particular epoch is going to run out. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny right. Malkin are gonna get old eventually. They're gonna age out. You yeah. have to start getting your pipeline back because right now it's fallow in Pittsburgh and the assets yeah. you could get for a Phil Kessel would be great um, for me it's Matt Duchesne in Ottawa and I mean this is obviously a younger guy a center very valuable but we know the senators are stripping it down to the bone right now if they don't trade Duchesne I, I don't see him re-signing in Ottawa I, I can't yeah. fathom that scenario right now I, I don't know what they could offer him um, I don't think you know the extra year on a contract would, would really be that tantalizing. And, I mean, he's a good player. And I think that Ottawa needs to continue getting great assets, um, get more draft picks. It's especially important because they already traded their 2019 first rounder for Matt Duchesne, ironically, in that big Colorado-Nashville deal that also involved Kyle Turris. They need to get first-rounders back for 2019. Unfortunately, it's not going to be their own, which could be the number one pick overall. Yeah. But it's done. It's, yeah. It's, you know, no, no backsies. Um, so they need to get some other teams first-rounders just because they need to be, if not high, they at least need to be in the game See, to when me, it comes to 2019. To, yeah, to me, that's the only fly in the ointment here is, is so what is Ottawa's game plan going to be? You know, I mean, if, if in, in a perfect world, they're going to finish last, you trade Mark Stone before the deadline, you trade uh, Matt Duchesne, you know, well, you know, well before the deadline, and you, you do bulk up with the youngsters and the picks and everything. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is now you've got this dynamic where, you know, the Ottawa Senators, like, the absolute worst thing for them would be to finish last and to uh -huh. win the draft lottery. So now do they now do they go in saying, let's keep these guys around so we save face. Maybe we finish 
fourth last, then we have a way better, way less of a chance of winning the lottery. Because I'm telling you right now, this is this has the potential to play out to be the worst draft blunder since Guy Lafleur in 1971. In 1971, Sam Pollock traded a guy by the name of Ernie Hickey to the California Golden Seals for their first for their first round pick, and then he traded Ralph. Whoa! Then he traded Ralph Backstrom to the Los Angeles Kings so that they wouldn't finish last, so California would finish last, thus having the choice between Guy Lafleur or Marcel Dion. Like that could have changed that. Like you just think of all the dominoes that fall there, and that could have changed the course of history in the NHL. And I think this could be kind of on par with that. Puts a lot of pressure on Brady Kachuk, too, after Ottawa decided to keep the pick uh, this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fantasy insider time. That's me, and most of you have probably drafted your leagues already, so I have a few pickups for you. If you want to hit that waiver wire, number one, Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks. He's got a fantastic assignment to start the year. On the right wing, replacing Corey Perry, who tore the meniscus, and it's Troy Terry with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel. Beautiful little setup to, to accrue a lot of points. Suddenly, Troy Terry is a Calder Trophy candidate. He has legit talent coming out of the University of Denver. Go get Troy Terry immediately. Mm-hmm. Number two, this is a weird one. It's not a name that has a lot of cachet, especially in fantasy hockey. Jeff Petrie. But Petrie mm. was a sneaky ad in leagues last year. After Shea Weber went down with an injury, he got put on the first power play unit, and he also adds the hits and blocks if you play in those leagues. But mainly, it's for that bigger role, and Petrie's going to have it again with Shea Weber out for the year. Number three, this is one I'm pretty excited about. It's Peter Mrazek of the Carolina Hurricanes. Scott Darling is hurt, and Scott Darling's hold on the starting job in Carolina would be tenuous. At best. At best. Peter Mrazek still in his mid-20s, still some talent there, and he has a really nice opportunity to take this job. And I know they added Curtis Curtis McElhinney on waivers, but we know who McElhinney is. He's in his mid to late 30s backup. The opportunity is there from Mrazek on a team that isn't without talent and has a good defense in front of him. So if Mrazek has a, a good few weeks to start the year, then I think he could take this job and run with it. So go get him if you're hurting for a goaltender. And then get rid of him in a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get him for now. Take all his wins that he's going to get in the first month of the season and sell him high and get rid of him because you know it's not going to. You know it's not going to last. Look at Come Ken, on, we know Ken, that. Fancy hockey. We know that. Ken. And you know first that. of all, you, you said you're excited about Peter Mrazek. You're excited about everything with fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be bad if he wasn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, you know. Wait, you know who I'm not excited about? Kyle Turris, a guy like that. Eh. Nick Benino. So I'm not excited uh, about, about everybody. Guys like that who are okay. just boring veterans. Not in real life, just in fantasy. Yeah. Like those guys, eh, those guys put me to sleep. So there, not excited. Uh, okay, well, there right. you go. Time for Future Watch. Ryan, we got a couple of prospects. One for the upcoming draft. And who do you got? Who are you looking at this week? Well, for 2019, I'm looking at Capo Caco, uh, the latest Finnish sensation. Right winger, got some decent size. He's off to a great start playing for TPS in the Liga, playing against men. What I really like about Kako is his puck protection, his smarts, uh, he can wing the puck. And let me throw this out at you. So far he's got seven points in eight games. Patrick Laine, in his draft year, playing in the same Liga, had 33 points in 46 games. Now, I mean, pace is sort of a weird thing because, I mean, maybe folks catch on to Kako, who knows what happens. But right now, he's putting up offense slightly better than Patrick Laine did. And he doesn't have the cannon shot of Patrick Laine. Uh, he's not quite as big as Patrick Laine, but man, the kid can produce. And it's also interesting to me that as an underager last year, 
When Kako played internationally, he usually played on Jesperi Kotkaniemi's wing. And that was when Kotkaniemi had his best results. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we talked about Kotkaniemi, you know, center versus winger. How much of his success was based on playing with Capo Kako? Or was it the inverse? Hard to say. But right now, Kako's off to a fantastic start. And for me, he's number two behind Jack Hughes right now. Right, and I'm, I'm already cheering for Capo Caco just so we can say his name over and over. I Capo want, Caco. I want him to score overtime winners. Capo Caco! I, I want to hear it. Like I just, The name, just, it's music to the ears. Uh, another guy with a cool name is your second prospect of the week, so who do you got? Sarah Noel. It flows so nicely. I just love saying Sarah Noel. Um, Sounds like Merry Christmas. It almost, does. You know? Yeah. Well, if he scores, hey, Sarah, Sarah Noel, too. And if he scores, Sarah they can play the Bing Crosby. No, Oh, on the, on the yeah, maybe speakers? They That'd be maybe awesome. They, they, they could. Won't. They won't. They could. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, Sarah Noel, Florida Panthers prospect, uh, picked up in the 2018 draft. Big right winger. Plays for the Oshawa Generals in the OHL. Off to a great start. Six goals, seven points in his first four games. And the thing about Noel is that the physical package he brings to the ice you can't teach, as they like to say. He's six foot five, two hundred twelve pounds already. When I was talking to scouts about him last year, they said he'll probably end up playing at two thirty-five. So you're looking at a wow, six that's, foot that's, five. That's Eric Lindros. Yes, yeah. that's 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 massive. That's big. Yeah. Six foot five, two hundred thirty-five pounds. When all is said and done, and the kid can skate with skill. With skill, he's got skill, and yeah. he can skate. So that's yeah. the key thing: is you're getting a kid with hands. When I've watched him, you know, last year, the thing that I really liked about Sarah Noel is that he can go into beast mode. He can crash the net. He can get a little bit surly, uh, but he can take over a period. When he's going to those dirty areas, it's really hard to stop him. Um, he's almost like a quicker Jordan Greenway. And the thing about Greenway is that he's not as mean as he could be. I think Sarah Noel, can, he can flip that switch, and that's when he becomes really deadly. Now, still needs to work on his game away from the puck. Defense is something that's you know, going to be uh, a focal point for him during this year. But, I mean, he was just drafted. He's got time, and he's not a finished product. He was raw last year. He's still developing. But I just think that the upside of Sarah Noel is so high, and he's already showing that he's getting there. And I think that's what should have Florida Panthers fans very excited. Ooh, interesting. Uh, from the magazine, the next issue of the Hawking News, you're going to see Eric Carlson in that nice new Sharks jersey. Uh, pretty cool sight to see. And uh, I wrote the cover story for that issue. And I ch had a chance to talk to a lot of different players on the Sharks and NGM Doug Wilson about sort of the mentality of this sort of what I think was going forward. And they scoffed at the idea when I said it to Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, Doug Wilson, the Stanley Cup window. And Pavelski pointed out to me, hey, we were supposed to be at the end of our Cup window two years ago. We reached the Stanley Cup final. People misremember that. And I looked back, we actually picked them to finish like ninth in the conference, something like mm. that. So they don't like the idea of a Stanley Cup window. At the same time, it was very fascinating talking to Doug Wilson because he did say uh, he does not believe in a true rebuild because when he signs all these players to long-term deals, he feels like he owes it to them to put a team on the ice every year that has a chance to win. And I think that's going to come into play uh, when it comes to Eric Carlson's contract. So the extension has not been signed, and, and we found out that it cannot be signed. If, you're, if Carlson wants eight years, he cannot sign it until after the trade deadline. So the Sharks get to bet on themselves all year to win him over as a market. 
And that's kind of a fun thing when I was putting together the story, talking to the Sharks about what it is about San Jose that brings players in. And they always stay. Evander Kane, three weeks after being eliminated from the playoffs, less than two months as a Shark, seven-year deal. He signs. He wanted to be there. And it was neat just hearing, you know, Joe Pavelski saying, oh, the traffic's great. And Logan Couture saying he loves it. You can go in the grocery store and not get mobbed. Mm -hmm. But once you're in the Shark Tank, the fans are, are really exciting. So if you like hearing more of that insight, go pick up the latest issue of the Hockey News with Eric Carlson on the cover. Hot take time. Well, whoa, Ken Campbell. What are you going hit, to hit us with this week? I know it's going to be something out there, I'm sure. Really? I don't think this is too far out it's there. What, it's but, what he does. Okay, here's my hot take of the week. Led by Hart Trophy candidate Matt Barzell, comeback player of the year Robin Leonard, and Jack Adams winner Barry Trotz, the New York Islanders will usurp the New Jersey Devils, for the eighth and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Discuss amongst yourselves. Wow. That is a a sizzling take. The only thing I can say is Robin Lanner, he's come to terms with being bipolar, and now he has Mitch Korn, the legendary goalie guru, working with him. So the conditions are right for a turnaround for Robin Lanner. I will give you at least that part of the hot take. I worry okay. about their defense. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to worry about. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. But they have Sebastian Aho, the other Sebastian Aho. They now. have the other Sebastian Aho. <laughs> they do. But. It was porous last year. It yeah. was porous. And then they lost Calvin DeHaan. Right. But a really good goaltender. And, you know, I mean, let's, let's not forget Robin Leonard is two years removed from being a pretty good goal. Uh huh. You know, he had like a 920 save percentage a couple of years ago, yep. which would put him in the probably in the top 10 in the league if he if he were to do that again. And as you say, like I'm I'm sort of banking on him, you know, the fact that he's got his life seemingly has his life in order, he's got a new start, he's got an organization that believes him and he's going to be able to run with this. You know, I mean, I, I think a good goaltender can cover up a lot of defensive uh, warts and I'm, I'm counting on that happening in this situation and I think the Barry Trotz factor is going to be a big part of it and I also think that the the Islanders are in the the big you know like screw you mode you know what I mean like it's yep. it's you know I mean and I think that nobody first, believed in us right and I think that first <laughs> salvo that was fired by Lou Lamorello a couple of weeks ago about John Tavares saying you know yeah well he never won here and it's true like it's true when you look at it you know they were they weren't great with them and I mean, their top two lines—it's pretty hard to find two lines that are that that are that solid. I mean, that's those are two good top lines, and so I, I really think that they're going to be on a mission to say, yeah, we lost to Varus, but you know what? We're still here, mm. and I think this is going to be a really hardworking team. It's going to be a dogged team. It's going to be one that scraps for everything it gets, and those are the kind of teams that you kind of end up. You know, you can't end up rooting for, and you know, if they can catch a little bit of momentum down the stretch, and I don't know, I, I just think it's something that could happen. Maybe it's Patrick Ewing theory. Ever hear about Ewing theory? The New York Knicks right. were always better when Ewing was out of the lineup, right. and even like the Leafs in the O2 playoffs when Sundin was out, they were better without him. Absolutely. So maybe yeah. it's Ewing theory with the <laughs> Islanders. We'll, we'll see. Uh, last up, we got the mailbag. A couple interesting questions. First one is from Kui Chi. Kui Chi is the name. Of the, of the person on Twitter, can Carey Price be traded with his contract? If yes, to what team? It won't be easy. Eight years left at $10.5 million, mm-hmm. but what do you guys think? Well, and also with a complete no-movement clause. So if he's going to be traded, it has to be somewhere that he handpicks. Uh, so, so that makes him even less tradable. 
the fact that he had a save percentage in the preseason of like 887 uh, <laughs> makes him even less tradable. And I, I, I mean, it's all, I, I mean, if he plays the way he can play and has played in the past, it, which I don't think he's ever getting back to the Vezina Trophy, Hart Trophy level. I don't think, I don't think even the Canadians think that that's going to happen. But if he can be a really good goaltender, then they're not going to be interested in trading him anyways, right? And if he's not, and they're looking to unload him, it's going to be difficult because of that contract and because of the fact that he's not performing. Yeah, I'm going to look at this in a kind of like cynical, pragmatic way and say, yes, because Dave Bolin got traded and Marion Hosa got traded and they weren't even playing hockey. Um, but in, in Carey Price, I, I don't think it's going to happen this year for sure, but... I could see a scenario next year, the year after that, where if Carey Price is still playing pretty well, you know, if he's rocking like a 9.15 save percentage on a horrid Montreal team, and they'll still be horrible in a year or two. If you're a team that has cup aspirations and your starting goaltender goes down, why not pick up Carey Price knowing that a, if you win the Stanley Cup, who cares if you're in cap hell for the next five, six years? Or B, maybe you can unload him to another team if you are in cap hell um, in the previous, you know, in upcoming years, because you're you're going for it. Like, what if like Mike Smith goes down in Calgary and like John Gillies isn't ready at that point to take over? What if Carolina gets really good and you know Scott Darling is still playing subpar do you take that chance where you say Carey Price can be super clutch we know he can win championships albeit internationally I just think that anything is possible and when we're talking about Carey Price I think some team could be coerced into taking that chance albeit it's a huge risk, but I'm saying anything's possible. And the first couple of years of this contract, I mean, it, it's not, it makes it even less enticing for a lot of teams because the cap hits 10 and a half, but I mean, he's making 15 this year. Wow. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't wow. know. I, I think John Tavares is the only guy that's making more money than Carey Price this year. Carey Price is making the same as what Connor McDavid's making. So, hmm. I mean, the, the money is an issue. So yeah. you look at a team like Carolina where money <laughs> is an issue, <laughs> you know what I mean? That Then it, it, it makes it all the more difficult. I just think that 10 and a half times eight for any goalie as good as he is, that's a dicey investment. It's the Henrik Lundqvist situation. We've already seen it unfold. At the time, right. it was in the eight range, but it was the equivalent of what Price got now. And that contract is quickly becoming an albatross for the Rangers as Lundqvist now reaches his his mid thirties, right? Yeah, yep. and won't and refuses to go. Exactly. That's the thing. And and I could see that happening with Carey Price. I mean, totally. he's all in. He's all in with Montreal. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed this deal. Yeah. You know. Or so. what if he goes to Seattle? What if he Mark Andre Fleury's? Oh, somebody oh. said that to me this summer. Somebody <laughs> said that to me this summer that Carey Price is going to be mm. the the starting goalie for Seattle. I and, like it. And uh, I and, and I thought that was a pretty hot take. Yeah, so. yeah that's a sizzling take. I yeah, like yeah. it. I like it. I snuck a hot take. That's right. <laughs> Next question is from Devon Genereux, and Devon asks, best value in the NHL, so contract wise, Alexander Barkov, five point nine million dollar cap hit. 
Mark Shifley, $6.1 million cap hit. Nathan McKinnon, $6.3 million cap hit or other. I'm going to say other. I'm going to say Roman Yossi in Nashville. $4 million, and it was a seven-year deal. David Poyle got him locked up long-term before I think the world knew how good Roman Yossi was. And now his contract is a ridiculous bargain, and he's still signed for two more years. Amazing deal for Nashville, and he's perennially a top five, top ten defenseman in the game, so he's an absolute steal. You go, him. Yeah, I'm going I'm to top that and go <laughs> Seth Jones in Columbus. Sure, he's got a knee injury right now, but $5.4 million, a little more than Yosi, but signed until after the 2021-22 season, so you got him for several more years. And you're looking at a guy that is on the cusp of winning the Norris Trophy. The knee injury, maybe it takes him out of the running for this season, but, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time right now. Seth Jones does everything you need him to do on the ice. He's athletic, he's smart, he has offense, he can play defense. And $5.4 million, I mean, it, you just can't top that. And I think that's a, a fantastic bargain for the Blue Jackets. And I'm going to go with my favorite player of all time. Yanni Gourd, 64 points, 25 goals, $1 million. Don't waste my time. That's <laughs> over. <laughs> and somebody voted Yanni Gourd, Yanni Gourd first place for the Calder last and year. And it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't him. All right. Good answer. Next question is from Brandon Gallardo. And Brandon says, when Roberto Longo retires, will he be the ninth player in history to have his number retired by two teams? Currently seven, but Scott, Knight, Scott Niedermeyer will be eight next season. Uh, I don't know. I, I think so. Because, I mean, obviously the Panthers are going to retire his number. Yep. But Vancouver, he, I think he holds most of their franchise records, does he not? Even, I think he beat Kirk McLean in most categories. And, and he did take them to a Stanley Cup final. I think for a franchise that has never won it and only come close on a couple of occasions, that's a pretty momentous season. If you think about the sort of pantheon Canucks of the past few years, or the past generation, you're looking at the Sedins, you're looking at Marcus Nasland. I don't know if you can retire Todd Bertuzzi's number anymore. You can't. Nope. You can't. Nope. <laughs> you can't. Um, yeah, and Luongo's part of that crew. He's in that upper echelon, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. See, I don't, I don't think he's there with the Sedins. I, I don't think he's there with Stan Smeal. Uh, you know, I mean, and they've had, I, like, I don't know. Is Richard Berdur's number tired, retired with the Canucks? I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't know that either. But, I mean, if, he, if his isn't retired, I'm not sure that you can make a case for, for old Roberto. Yeah, I'm torn because I think he was the starting goalie for the most successful period in franchise history. They won a President's Trophy, and they were dominant. They were mm -hmm. one win away from the Cup, yeah. uh, and he had some amazing seasons. So I think he does get his number retired. At the same time, it's hard to retire the number of a guy who, even in, some of, in, in the middle of some of those playoff runs, was causing goalie controversies and talking about how he was haunted by Chelsea Dagger, the music in Chicago, and Corey <laughs> yeah, and Schreiber how Tim Thomas started. wasn't pumping up his tires in the final. Right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So based on uh, that, it's hard to say. It wasn't um, a, a smooth ride always with Longo, but I do think the results were there overall. And they did make him captain one year. They made him captain. Let's not forget that it was a terrible idea. And he loved it, by the way. I talked to him about that a couple oh, months sure. ago, and he was saying like he would he would have done it again. He thought it was amazing. He loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was just, practically speaking, it was a terrible idea. Fair enough. Well, that's it this week, everybody, for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, go to thehockeynews.com if you want to learn all about the benefits of our new membership program. Thanks for listening.